take your Bible and turn to Psalm 26. Psalm 26. I want you to notice one particular word. I think it'll be a blessing to you if you have your Bible. Psalm 26. I want to read the psalm. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. And reins and heart are the, the same things, uh, just uh, the inward is the reins, the, my, my inwards. Try, um, in this day and age, they felt like uh, their emotions came from their uh, their insides and their heart. So keep in mind, uh, notice number three, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers, those people that talk about others' gossips. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I can pass thine altar. We're going to look at that this morning, and my prayers will really speak to your heart. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved thy habitation, the habitation of thy house, and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Psalm 26. Verse number nine, gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. Notice verse 11, and there are some key words I want you to notice in this passage. We'll come back to them in just a minute. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me. <clears throat> and be merciful unto me. My foot <clears throat> standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. There are three words I want you to notice. Number one, I want you to notice in verse number six, uh, the, in, in verse number uh, one, integrity. We're going to look at that word this morning. It's mentioned twice. You'll notice uh, it, it, is a, it is a critical thing for everyone, integrity. Notice number six, innocence. That's critical. And notice next is when he speaks about the altar. We're going to look at the word altar. And he, he mentions that habitation of thy house. I love it. And he mentions, I, I will walk in mine integrity in verse 11. And, and you'll notice he says in verse 6, so will I compass thy altar. So let's take integrity first. Integrity is what you and I live by. Now, there are some people, their integrity, <clears throat> they have integrity themselves because their, their rules they live by are very liberal. And they look at themselves and say, well, I have integrity. Maybe they don't lie except a little bit because their rules for living, they have concocted themselves. 
Integrity is, let's say you follow the Scriptures, and the Scriptures say, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not steal, uh, thou shalt not lust. Um, the Scriptures say you're to forgive. Um, and so those are, are stakes in the ground for our integrity. Now, integrity is how close I live to those. Um, I, I want to live by those stakes in the ground that God has placed there. That's what David is saying. So notice, if you would, verse 1, he says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Uh, you would not ask God to judge you if your integrity, your stakes in the ground, were not pleasing to him. Because he's always going to say you're guilty. So you and I have to learn to put our stakes in the ground where God says so. And so integrity in the scriptures is not what we think we should do. It's what the Lord says. So our integrity is that we never lie. Our integrity is that we never lust. Our integrity is that we always forgive. When you say, I'm, I'm, I try to live my, with, by my integrity, or integrity is important to me, those stakes in the ground are things that you live by. They're the things that God sets up for us. And so he says, Lord, judge me. Notice in verse 1, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. Uh, my integrity is what I feel like you want me to do with those stakes in the ground that you have set up. Now, there are a lot of people, I would say this is a conservative mindset, that I want to live very close to these uh, anchors in the ground. But a liberal mindset would say, um, yeah, I think those are pretty good. And they sort of live uh, uh, kind of laissez-faire toward those kind of a, uh, you know, I'll, I, when it's convenient, I'll do it. And so their integrity is very loose. Now, they may say, judge me, O Lord, but the Lord's going to condemn them. And so if you're bitter toward your wife, the Lord is going to condemn you. You can't get say, Lord, judge me in mine integrity. So uh, integrity is a key word in this passage. Notice it's mentioned in verse 1, for I have walked in mine integrity. Notice in verse 11, but as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Not only does he say, I, I have walked in my integrity, but said my plans for the future are not to change those stakes in the ground and not to tolerate any uh, difference from there. I'm going to get as close to those as I can. I want to be honest. I want to be truthful. And that's for everybody in this room. Look, as God's children, our purpose is to walk in our integrity. And so David says here, look, I have walked and I will walk. Would you judge me? So you don't normally say, would you examine me? Now, notice there's two words for judge in verse number one. He says, uh, I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not sign. I'm sorry, it's in verse two. Examine me, O Lord. So in verse one, he says, judge me. In verse two, he says, examine me. So uh, judgment is whenever you look at those stakes and you say, Lord, uh, make a decision and tell me how close to those stakes I am. Examine me is much the same thing, except an examination is a little closer. Um, and so keep in mind, David is really trying to live by those guidelines that God has set up. Now notice, if you would, another word in verse number six. I, have, I will wash mine hands in innocency. Now, Innocency is a, is a real key, key word for all of us. Innocent is whenever you have 
purposed in your heart that you're going to be guilt-free. You're innocent. You don't do those things that displease the Lord, and there's an innocence in your heart that you don't even want to do them. There's a simplicity in your heart. You're not out there trying to figure out how to move those stakes a little bit to justify your lifestyle. You're wanting to say, uh, there's an innocency in my heart. I see what the Lord says, and I've accepted that, Lord. Uh, I want to be innocent in your sight. I, I want to be clear completely. So innocence is even deeper for the Christian. It's even uh, closer to the Lord than integrity. Uh, integrity covers those, those uh, uh, my footsteps are integrity. But innocence is in the heart. It's what you and God agree on in your heart. The Holy Spirit uh, agrees in your heart. Uh, when you say, judge me, O God, Lord, you, you tell me how good I'm doing in my walk. But innocence is, there's nothing in my heart that I know of that I'm doing wrong. So when you say you're innocent, everything is clean in your heart. For instance, if I were to ask your wife, how do you treat her? Or your husband, how do you treat them? They would say, wonderful. And that's because it's true. You're innocent. Um, do you pay your bills? Yes, because there's an innocence about your life. There's a simplicity. Those things are not even a, a part of question anymore. Uh, they're, they're a part of my life, and there's a, a cleanness in my heart. So then you'll notice, if you would, there's another word called altar in here. And he says in verse number six, so will I compass thine altar. Now, <clears throat> this is an altar all the way across from the wall to here an altar. In Scripture, there have always been places where Christians could go and kneel down, and it was special to the Lord as well as to us that you can go and kneel down and feel closer to the Lord. But you should never <clears throat> come to this altar without one of two ways. One, innocent. Lord, you know me. I love you. I, 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 I want to be close to you. And you talk with him because there's innocence in your heart. There's a purity in your heart. There's nothing between you and the Lord that you know of. That's the first way. And, you know, I wished our people came to the altar more. You, me. It's, it's, a, it's a place where you can feel closer to the Lord. It is his design. In the Old Testament, it was the place of the of sacrifice. So it was the place where your sins were washed away. So an altar has always been special to the Lord. And so when you and I, now in the Old Testament, you couldn't approach the altar. But in the New Testament, you can't. Because Jesus Christ on the altar paid your debt of sin. So Jesus Christ opened the way for you and I to kneel at this altar. In the Old Testament, uh, they had to be very careful about that altar. They would offer lamb there, and then they would uh, kneel at the altar. So it required that you acknowledge God and his payment was coming before you could really kneel at the altar. And then when the temple came, and when the uh, tabernacle came, no one could go to the altar but the priests. Now, that's where many of the religions have come up with priests. 
and with uh, uh, bishops. And they wear robes to separate themselves from the people. And the Bible says in the first two chapters, three chapters of Revelation, I hate that, that the priests separate themselves from the people because there is no more separation. When Christ died, uh, I made you kings and priests. Take your Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 1, if you would. I want you to see this. Revelation chapter 1. I want you to notice this, if you would. Revelation 1, and we're speaking about the altar here. Uh, Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 5, the last half of it. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And notice verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. So Jesus Christ made us priests. Everybody in this room that is saved, he's made you to a priest now. And the reason that is it's an Old Testament designation because it was for the person that made the offering. And there's no more offering to be made. Take your Bible and turn back a couple pages to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews, if you would. And notice this. Hebrews chapter 10. Notice, if you would, verse number four. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. But they were atonements. They covered sin until the perfect lamb came. So notice in verse number 10. By the which will God's will, we are sanctified through the offering of of the body of Jesus Christ once from all, for all. Now notice verse 11. And every priest standing daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Verse number 14. For by one offering, He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified or saved. So Jesus Christ died so that uh, all of us could come right into the presence of God as a priest. And that's the reason it says in Revelation 1, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood hath he made us kings and priests. So this altar is a special place. And it ought to be special in our hearts for two things, two purposes, Lord, I just want to thank you tonight. I just want you to know, and, and, and people are, are nervous about going before others. You shouldn't feel that with God. You're not doing it for others. You're doing it for the Lord's sake. Lord, I just want to tell you, thank you for that raise you gave me this week. Lord, thank you. I just want to tell you, thank you, Lord, for taking care of my son this week when he was ill or my my little daughter when she was ill. Lord, I want to thank you for your protection this week that I saw that car was going to, uh, could have hit us. And I just want to say thank you. It is a place for you and I to praise the Lord and to thank him. And we don't use it enough. I think most people think the altar is a place for the second reason, to come and confess your sin. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Now, it is a place... Uh, there'll be a lady baptized tonight in our first service in this building. 
that when we all came forward, and there were literally hundreds of people that came forward at the altar, and, and I'm assuming however many, many, most of the congregation came forward and prayed. And so, Lord, I want to dedicate this place as a place that you would speak to me. We did it at the altar because the altar is a special place for people to speak with God. And there was a lady came forward and she said, Lord, I want to be saved. I want you to forgive me of my sins. She's going to be baptized tonight because she wanted to come and confess her sin. That's a third reason the altar comes. You want to come and be saved. The difference is you no longer have to come to this altar to be saved. You can be saved anywhere. But she chose the altar as a special place between her and God. Now, it's also a place for you to get things right with the Lord. And all of us from time to time, well, Lord, I I did something this week. I just want you to know I'm sorry. Now, the Lord wants this to be a special place to talk to him and confess your sin, but a special place more than than, uh, any other time for you to come and say, Lord, I just want to say thank you. Lord, I want to praise you this week. The Lord loves our praise and our thanksgiving. And we don't do that enough. And so it's one thing for you to sit in your seat, but it's another thing to say, Lord, I I want everybody to know I am thankful for you. But it's something you don't do for publicity, but it's something that God appreciates your willingness to come to an altar. And now notice, if you would, in verse number 17, uh, he says, now their sins and iniquities, is Hebrews 10, 17, I will, well, I remember no more, but look at verse 18. Now, where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. So that's why you and I are priests unto God. Now, let's go back over, if you would. I, I want you to see, um, take your Bible and turn over to uh, Hebrews, just a page or two, and uh, uh, look, if you would, in verse number, uh, in verse number uh, chapter 9, and look, if you would, in verse number seven. But into the second, now the first is the holy place in the temple or the tabernacle. The second was the cubed room, same height, width, and depth, where the cherubim was, where the uh, altar was. And you'll notice he says, verse seven, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year without blood, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost thus signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. In other words, there was no one that could go into that holy of holies in the presence of God at that altar except the high priest. And so what the Lord said when Jesus died, there's no more offerings to be made. Now the opening in the veil is clear for every Christian to come and kneel at the altar. And that's why this altar is such a special place. Jesus had to die before you and I could come and pray at this altar. Otherwise, we had to bring a lamb and let somebody else do it for us. So he said, I've made you kings and priests. So that causes me to back up and say, well, if I'm the same thing as a priest to God, I should go there pretty often and just say, Lord, thank you. I should go there pretty often and say, Lord, I want to praise you. 
Um, uh, you, can, you can get things right between you and the Lord at any point in time. At home, you can praise the Lord at any point in time. And so if maybe you've had a really bad week spiritually and you've done some things you shouldn't have done, maybe that's something you, I want to come and say, Lord, I'm truly sorry, okay, as a Christian. Lord, I'm truly sorry. But the majority of times Christians would come to pray for someone else. Um, there are people on my prayer list that I pray for every day that, that have had, uh, the, spiritually speaking, uh, for them to come back to the Lord or for them to uh, get their health back or whatever. I try to intercede for them. And so you can come to this altar for that reason. You couldn't in the Old Testament. So there is a new and living way open for you. Take your Bible and turn to a couple of pages back in Hebrews. Look, if you would, uh, Hebrews. Notice, if you would, in verse number uh, 10. Uh, look, if you would, in verse 19. This sort of sums it up. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's the altar. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. So he's saying, look, you now can go right into that altar yourself. If the Old Testament people of Israel would have known they could walk right into the presence of God, Number one, they would have done it with sin in their life and not thought about it. And God would have had to kill them. Because he was trying to teach them the, the importance or the specialness of the altar. Now, normally we would, when we do the Lord's Supper, we remember the same thing, the specialness of the blood of Christ and his broken body for us. And so we don't come before the Lord's Supper night with sin in our life, we have to make sure we're clean. And because that, the Lord says, that's important to me that you value the payment of my son. So we must value this altar. But don't value it so much you don't make yourself avail it that you wouldn't come to this altar. Lord, I just want to thank you for a great week this week. Lord, I want to thank you for, for uh, your answers to prayer this week. To praise him a little bit. The altar is for that purpose. Now, let's turn back to our original passage, Psalm 26. And I want you to notice, look, he says, in verse 6, I will wash mine hands in innocency. I'm going to wash my hands until they're pure. I'm going to make sure, I'm going to confess my sin until my hands are pure, my heart is pure. And then notice in verse 6, he says, so will I come past thine altar. So will I come toward thine altar. I'll walk around your altar with innocent hands. And folks, that's where we always approach the altar, with innocent hands, because it's too precious a place. But folks, it's such a privilege to come to the altar. I think most people fail to realize the privilege that we have. I think it makes the Lord Jesus smile when we come to the altar and talk to him. It's a special place because he made the way possible. Remember, it's a new and living way. I, I know there are some people, members of our church, that have never come to the altar. I think they're missing something. Now, if there's not innocence, uh, I understand. But when your heart is innocent, you ought to come to this altar. Now, notice if you would in verse number two, he says this. Um, Examine me, O Lord, and prove, my heart, prove me. Try my reins in my heart. He lifts up his hands and says, Lord, show me, examine me, look at every spot of my heart. If you see something that's there, Lord, show me. Because I want to go to your, your, 
your altar with innocence. I want to compass your altar with innocence. And then notice, if you would, in verse number 11, but as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. Lord, would you be gracious to me because I don't always do the right thing, but I'm trying. And folks, today, it's important that everybody in this room is really trying to please the Lord. Now, now, this morning, I'm going to use another word in the main service that I hope you, uh, I hope it challenges your heart, that it's not up to you to say, Lord, uh, you know, everything is right in my heart, and, and, and I'm living the way I want to live for you. It's you and I learn to say, Lord, I'm living the way I think you want me to live according to your word, those stakes in the ground that you have set up. That's important. I have walked in mine integrity. I believe I'm doing what you want me to do according to your plan. But he says, Lord, would you judge me? Very few people go to the Lord and say that. <clears throat> Lord, would you judge my spirit? Is it a pleasant spirit? Lord, would you judge my temper? Is it a temper that pleases you? Have I laid it on the altar? Lord, would you judge my tongue the way I speak? Lord, would you examine it and make sure I'm doing the right thing? But as far as in my heart, there's integrity according to your will. Now, notice if you would. Then he says in verse number three, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. There's the key ingredient. I have walked in thy truth. That's where we drive the stakes down, according to thy truth. You may say, well, pastor, I love my, I've had people come and say, well, I don't love my wife anymore. I'm just hanging around until the kids are gone. Uh, they don't understand. The Lord's truth would not allow that. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And he never gave up on us, and he died for us. So we don't have the uh, opportunity of coming to church and say, well, I, I've given up on my marriage because of this, this, and this, um, uh, because the Lord says, I, I, don't, I don't have a plan for that. I want you to be happily married, so you may have to give up some things in your heart. You may have to say, Lord, help me to love my wife or help me to love my husband the way I ought to. Lord, forgive me of, of my sin. You and I don't get the right to say, Lord, I want to come to the altar. I want to come before you, uh, but I'm not going to ever forgive that person what they did to me. That's not an option because he says, according to thy truth, do you and I have the right to not forgive somebody in the family because they've done the wrong thing? Nope, because every one of us have done the wrong thing to the Lord. And so his example to us is, I'll forgive you. Can anybody quote for me 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from what? All. There's no time when the Lord says, okay, uh, James, you did it this time. Sean, you did it this time. I, I, I can forgive you of all the other things, but not this. The Lord never has that. He said, all. And so you and I, if we're going to live in his truth, then we have to look at it and say, okay, all is forgiven. Now, that's a challenge for us because our nation, that's why on Sunday night we're going through the put on, the put off of the old flesh and on the new man 
because it is a critical issue to living in the image of Christ. And if we're going to do that, we have to look at it and say, Lord, thy truth is where I, I, I choose to, to live and die. Is your truth. And, and folks, listen, the world doesn't know that. Um, <clears throat> the world lives for themselves. Pure and simple. And their integrity is, well, I pretty well live according to the way I feel is right which gives them the right to do about anything. And the Lord says, look, I want you to, I made a new and living way for you to come to the altar, but you've got to live with integrity according to my truth. And when you do that, I want you to compass about the altar and I want you to come often because I love you. I love to hear from you. Now, notice with me if you would, in verse number 12, we'll close. Notice this, my foot standeth in an even place, in the congregations will I bless the Lord. So the Lord expects you and I to come into his house in the congregations and bless the Lord. Now, you can do it from your seat, but I hope you can understand the preciousness of coming to this altar and say, Lord, I want to bless you this morning for what you've done for me this week or this year. Um, uh, Janet and I like to go out and walk, and we, we walk for a few miles. And, and one of the things as we're talking about walking, it, you know, uh, we look at it and say, you know, it, it, it's a blessing of the Lord to be able to do this at this point in time. Now, I'm not going to tell you what this point in time is. That's none of your business, okay? But as we begin to count our years, uh, we begin to look at it and say, well, look, Lord, I, you know, I, I'm just able to, to, to motor on around and every once in a while. Um, uh, she'll say, well, i got to get my heart rate up, so she'll start jogging. And I said, well, she ain't going to get ahead of me, so I started jogging too. And we sort of uh, keep each other going, and we look at that and say, Lord, thank you. I know I don't do that enough. But what I'm saying is this altar is to be a special place that you and I would come to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you. I want to bless your name. Now, another thing about it, I want you to notice this. Notice in verse 12, my foot standeth in an even place. My foot stands in a place where everybody can stand the same. All forgiven. That means Jeanette's forgiven. Paul's forgiven. That means Sandy's forgiven. That means Jerry's forgiven, one of our new members. That means Scott's forgiven. We're all in an even place. But let's not come to that even place and harbor something other than his truth as our stakes of integrity. But we're all in an even place. We've all been forgiven so all of us can come to this altar in exactly the same way as children of God. Now, aren't you glad we're not from India where there is a caste system? In certain societies where there's a system of haves and have-nots, the Lord Jesus is saying, David, uh, everybody's in an even place. <clears throat> so everybody in this room, black, white, yellow, green, rich, poor, we're in an even place. You can stand before the Lord and talk to him. What a privilege. If you've been saved one week or 50 years, it's level ground. It's level for all of us. I love it. My foot standeth in an even place. It's safe. 
So tonight, today, when you pray and talk to the Lord, I would encourage you to take this altar as a special place, but to bless the Lord there. Um, some of you maybe never have before. How many of you have, can think right here, just to take just a minute, and you can think of three things you could say, Lord, I want to thank you for this. How many of you can sit right here right now and just take, just raise your hand. I can think of three things real quickly that I ought to thank the Lord for. Raise your hand. Let me see it up. Okay. All right. Three things. Well, maybe you take some of those things that are very valuable to you and come and say, Lord, I just want to say thank you. I just urge you, because the altar is a special place, it took the blood of Christ to make it possible for you and I to kneel here. That ought to mean something to us. Father, thank you for sending your son to make an even place at the altar for rich, poor, educated, uneducated. Lord, what a privilege that our God is fair, but Lord, the judgment's only based upon his truth. Help us to have great integrity as a people of Temple Baptist Church. In your name we pray. Amen.